And we are back with you with our Encounter with God section here on Faith FM. We don't have a quiz clue because it's been snaveled up and Mm -hmm. uh, is long gone. Yeah, it was pretty quick today. And it was a really obscure one too. I think somebody was doing their research this morning. Uh Uh-huh. I'm actually going to uh, put up the first clue for tomorrow's quiz on Instagram before we leave today. Why? It won't be announced live on the radio. Why? It'll just be sitting, just the first clue on our Instagram for tomorrow's quiz. So how is this going to work then? Well, it's very easy. So I'm just going to put it on Instagram. So somebody could somebody could win tomorrow's prize within like three minutes of the show being it over. It could. I mean, Ooh, I've, I've, looked okay. the, I've looked at the clue and it is pretty obscure. <laughs> but uh, I'm going to put it up and it'll be sitting there overnight. So people, if they want to get a, a real jump, jump start, they can definitely do that. Ooh. Mm-hmm. I am intrigued. Yes, indeed. You should okay. be. Okay. I wonder whether I know the answer to this one. I'll test you off air. Okay. All right. Where are we going? We're going to the book of Acts. Uh-huh. What chapter? Where are we up to, Mon? Well, we finished chapter one. I'm hoping we're in chapter two. Yeah. That would be a logical conclusion. We're in chapter two. What happens in Acts chapter two? Uh, more acting? Because mm-hmm. Acts is about acting, isn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's all about how that the disciples were um, drove uh, Hondas. <laughs> what? <laughs> The Bible says they're all with all, all in one accord. <laughs> oh no, that's my lame dad joke oh, for the day. Lyle, please call. Someone said help. <laughs> <laughs> all right, first three verses, please, Mon. Okay. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 3. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. Okay, so here's an interesting uh, passage. I thought your translation was interesting there because mine says in verse 1, and I want you to pick the difference here. Mm-hmm. Mine says they were all with one accord in one place. Mm-hmm. Um, yours says they were all in one place, and it misses out that portion of being in one accord. Mm. What does it mean being in one accord? Does like, that mean that they were sitting in a hundred? Uh, no, no. <laughs> that means they were like in harmony. That they were in agreement. And I think this mm. is probably the most critical part of the whole yeah, passage yeah. because we know how how much they were in disagreement when they first met in the upper room. When they first met in the upper room, they were bitterly divided. Um, they were f- following on with a fight that they had been fighting over for you know, pretty much all of Jesus' ministry, and, and that was about who was going to be greatest in Jesus' kingdom. And so here we find that they've come to the situation, and now you have the opposite. So on the, on the uh, day of Passover, 52 days earlier, they were complete opposite to what they are now on the day of Pentecost. Mm-hmm. And really this illustrates in many ways what these two celebrations or some of what these two celebrations are all about because Passover symbolized, of course, the death of Jesus Christ. Mm. And it began in ancient Egypt with the uh, angel of death literally passing over those houses that were covered by the blood of the Lamb. Mm. And so the angel of death went out through the land of Egypt and killed every firstborn in the land of Egypt from uh, um, from humans to animals um, across the board. But those families that had placed their faith in Jesus Christ, and many of them were Egyptians, uh, and, and in obedience to the command of God had sacrificed a lamb 
and had sprinkled the blood um, across the top of the door on either side of the door of their house. And I don't know about you, Mon, but I think I would have painted my uh, yeah. outside of my door with blood if I knew this was this yeah. was something that was going to take place. Um, the angel passed over those homes and and didn't touch them. And just as once again, when the judgment is finished and death is decreed on those who refuse to serve God, the angel passes over those who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ and are covered by his blood. And it's astounding to think that in ancient Egypt, that was the last of 10 horrific plagues. The Egyptians could see clearly that there was supernatural activity happening. It's hard to imagine that anyone would not have placed blood on their... It would have to be be an absolute hardened rebellion. Mm. Because they were given the opportunity. They were told, look... You know, this will happen if you don't do this. And how could they not look back? It just occurred nine other plagues and think, oh, it's not going to happen. It's unlikely. They had so much evidence. And we think they're crazy, but then that's a type for what's going to happen very soon here on Earth again. And you have to think it's so crazy that people aren't claiming the blood of Christ now. Like it's as silly as those Egyptians who were like, oh, no, all the other plague happened, but uh, I don't think this angel of death is going to come to me. So it's, 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 <clears throat> we, we, we tend to look back and think people are crazy, not realizing we also need to look forward and realize we're about to enter a whole bunch of craziness. Yeah, absolutely. And, mm-hmm. and I wonder whether it's a little bit like the uh, frog in the pot kind of illustration. Yeah, yeah. You know, maybe all of those plagues, they just kind of looked at it and like, yeah, that's pretty freaky, but we survived that. Yeah. And the next one comes along and that's like, that's super freaky, but maybe it's just a natural occurrence. Mm-hmm. And okay, third one comes along. Things are going really badly for Egypt right now, but these things are cyclical and, you know, they come up with all of these scientific explanations as to what's taking place rather than, you know, and refusing to recognize the hand of God. Mm-hmm. And then this one comes along. I mean, seriously, how hard is it? Yeah. yeah. Particularly in an agrarian society where people butcher their own meat on a daily basis, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. how hard is it to get a lamb and to sprinkle its blood on your doorpost? And, you know, if nothing happens, well, just wash it off the next day. Yeah, exactly. It's not a big deal. Yeah. The only way you can not do that is if you are actually stubbornly, excuse me, refusing to acknowledge anything to do with God at all. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, uh, of course, this resulted in what became known as the mixed multitude. Mm-hmm. Where many Egyptians were like, "Yeah, we picked the winning side here. We're going to become a part of the nation of Israel," and as a result, they did. Mm-hmm. They did cause some problems because they were much more prone to idolatry than the Israelites, um, but they certainly picked the winning side. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But even if you weren't going to join the mixed multitude and join the Israelites, it's like still it would just make sense, like just as a precautionary, just as insurance. Yeah, it's very cheap insurance. Absolutely, cheapest insurance there ever was. Yeah. So and this was this was what happened. This is where the word Passover comes from. That's right. Mm-hmm. The angel of death passed over, and so the Passover is all about the blood of Jesus Christ covering your sins. Mm-hmm. And so you've got this situation in the upper room where they are committing some really really terrible sins, and particularly Peter is about to go out and to deny Jesus to his face in the judgment hall. Um, a horrific circumstance. They're all talking about fighting over who's going to be the greatest, and then. The Passover comes, and this time it's not a lamb that dies, it's Jesus Christ that dies. And his blood is there to cleanse us from our sin so that in the judgment there's no record that we've ever done anything wrong. Mm. 
because our wrong deeds, our wrong actions are covered by the blood of Jesus. And so those wrong deeds, those wrong actions that took place there in the upper room were covered by the blood of Jesus. Obviously, um, Judas is an example of those who stubbornly hang on mm-hmm. to uh, to wrong things um, and uh, and refuse to confess his sins and refuse to, to have his sin covered by the blood of Jesus. Which is once again mind-boggling because Judas, Judas must have seen so many miracles and wonders that Jesus did and all the teachings and yet mm. he like the Egyptians, was just so stubborn. It tells you it's not really a, a brain problem, it's a heart problem, doesn't it? Oh, very much so. Mm-hmm. Very, very much so. Um, we can know and understand things intellectually, but unless we um, accept them emotionally, they won't become a part of our life. Mm. And that's why it's important to you know, understand the Bible truths intellectually and then to accept those truths on an emotional level because so often intellectual truth cuts across our emotional belief. Yeah, it's true. And that becomes a, a, a major problem. Okay, so Passover comes, and Passover is all about cleansing from sin, being washed in the blood of the Lamb, being covered by the blood of Jesus. Pentecost is all about the law of God. Did you know that? No, I didn't. Yeah. Pentecost is all about the law of God. When we talk about Pentecost, we say, you know, if you ask the average person, what's Pentecost all about? They're going to say, the Holy Spirit. Yeah, that's exactly true. It's exactly what I think of. I think of Pentecost with the little flames, you know, sitting on people's heads. That's mm-hmm. what I think of when I think of yeah. Pentecost. It is about the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. but it's also about the law of God. Okay. And uh, we're going to spend a little bit of time just looking at the at the correlation between the law of God and the Holy Spirit, and why these two things go together, and why it is that so important that they had come into this spirit of unity, so that the Holy Spirit could be poured out because unless while ever we're fighting with each other the Holy Spirit is never going to be poured out You're listening to Faith FM Positively Different Radio Okay so here's something that you will find most interesting Between Passover and Pentecost was a period of 52 days Okay and if you go back to when these uh, ceremonies were first given, what you'll find is this. Between Passover in the land of Egypt at the end of the plagues and the giving of the law on Sinai was 52 days. Mm-hmm. So in other words, the law was given on Passover. Oh, okay. So Passover, sorry, Pentecost. Sorry, no, the law was given on Pentecost, not Passover. I said that wrong. So 52 days from Passover to Pentecost, Mm -hmm. 52 days from the Passover in Egypt to the giving of the law. Therefore, the law is given on Pentecost. Mm -hmm. So there is a distinct connection here between the giving of the law and Pentecost or the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Okay. All right, so we're going to look at this a little bit deeper. Let's go to Acts chapter 5. It's one page over. Acts chapter 5. It's two pages over in my Bible. You must have smaller print. Well, you're older. I need big print. (laughs) (laughs) That was low. Very, very low. Let's go down to verse 32. 5.32 says, We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, who is given by God and to those who obey him. Okay, so who does the Bible say that the Holy Spirit is given to? To those who obey him. Those who obey him. Mm -hmm. And this is a very logical 
simple kind of a statement right here. Is God going to give the Holy Spirit to people who disobey? No. No, that's obvious. No, yeah. Okay, so then we ask ourselves, by what is obedience defined? Can you have obedience if you do not have a law? No, because what are you obeying if you have anything to obey? Yeah. Yeah. And, of course, in obeying God and the words of God, the foundation of everything that God asks us to do is found in his law. Mm. You know, you can can go through anything that God has asked. Name something random if you want, and you can identify where that fits in with the law of God. For instance, the Garden of Eden, God said, uh, don't eat of the fruit of um, this particular tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, in the middle of the garden. Uh, is that when they ate that fruit, did they break the law of God? Absolutely. They were being disobedient. Which, which commandments did they break? Which commandment? Oh, commandment. Mm, have no other gods before me. Okay, yes. Mm-hmm. Because whoever you put highest in your life is who you obey. So they uh, put the serpent higher in their life, or um, Eve did. Thou shalt not steal. Okay, so they break that one as well. Uh-huh. 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 Yeah, because God said, don't touch it, don't take it. It's not theirs, and they took yep. it anyway. Mm-hmm. It was his. Yep. Yeah. Um, I feel like they just broke all of them. Is that the... Thou shalt not covet. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, honor their mother and father. Yes, they didn't honor their heavenly father. Uh-huh. Um, thou shalt not kill. Yeah, that's right. Because, because they, they killed themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can go on and on down through the list, and so you can take any any anything that God has ever asked, and it is going to break at least one mm-hmm. of the Ten Commandments, if not more of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you, you know, you, I think they broke at least half or more right there in the Garden of Eden of the Ten Commandments. Yeah. Okay, so the Holy Spirit is given to those who obey. Obedience is defined in the simplest possible way in the Ten Commandments, which is the eternal constitution of the government of God. Huh. Yeah. So when we're told to obey, that's what we're being told to obey because we have to have something to obey. Exactly. You can't have obedience without a law. That's impossible. If you go to the Northern Territory and you go out in one of those freeways or highways, (laughs) I should say, where there's no speed limit, Mm -hmm. they can't book you for speeding because there's no law. Mm -hmm. There's no obedience. You drive as fast as you want. You hit a kangaroo, yes, that might be a problem, but uh, I have always wanted to go and do that. I bet you have. I must admit, autobahns were fun. Anyway, we won't go there. We're getting sidetracked now. Okay, so the day of Pentecost is a commemoration of the giving of the law on Mount Sinai because the Holy Spirit is connected to obedience. And what God is trying to tell us here is that the Holy Spirit is given to those who obey, who obey his commandments. Mm -hmm. All right, so let's go to, uh, let me see here. What are we going to read next? Uh, Well, let's, let's consider what's taking place here. The Bible says, Acts chapter 2, we'll go back over there again. They were all united together, and we talked about how that they had had this time. Have you ever have you ever wondered, you know, what was going through the disciples' minds? Jesus gives them the great commission. He says, "Wait in Jerusalem until you've received the Holy Spirit." Mm-hmm. So they're waiting there, and they start to pray for the Holy Spirit. They say their prayer, you know, maybe five minutes. How long does it take to pray for the Holy Spirit? A couple of minutes. Mm-hmm. And uh, get up off their knees and open their eyes and nothing happens. Mm. Would you be a bit discouraged or not? I mean, it depends on what I would... If I had if I had had an experience already of this flame thing, I might be a bit disappointed. But if I hadn't, I wouldn't have thought any different of it. 
Okay, so they keep praying for what is another 12 days. Oh, really? 12 days. Hmm. What would you be thinking after 12 days? All together there in the upper room having a prayer meeting for 12 days and praying for the Holy Spirit and sorting out wrongs and making things right and getting your life right with God. Um, but, but, would you think that God had forgotten you? But, I mean, they 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 were they actually expecting to have some sort of visual thing like they got like with the fire. Well, I don't know what they were expecting, but they were ex- certainly expecting power because mm-hmm. Jesus said you will receive power. Mm-hmm. I guess I guess the temptation would be to think that what's wrong with God? Why is he not answering my prayer? But I think after a while they'd probably think what's wrong with me? Mm-hmm. Why am I not, you know? Mm-hmm. Okay, so Jesus told the disciples to wait for two things. Mm-hmm. He told them to wait for the Holy Spirit and he told them to wait for his return. Mm-hmm. The Holy Spirit came 12 days later and we look back on that like, oh, that was pretty quick. But I'm sure for the Holy Spirit, for the, sorry, for the disciples, that would have felt like, oh, I don't know about you, but I would have felt that was a long time. Yeah. It's like a week and a half has gone by and nothing's happening. Has Jesus forgotten us? Mm. Does God answer prayer? How many times have you had people say, oh, God never answered my prayer? Mm, oh, all the time. In fact, yeah, I just recently had a, a friend of mine who was thinking about leaving the church because she just feels like her prayers don't get answered. Mm-hmm. Which is really sad. And were their prayers being answered? So they're praying for two things. Number mm-hmm. one, the Holy Spirit. And number two, the return of Jesus. Yeah, their prayers were being answered. It took 12 days. That's a short period of time. Before the Holy Spirit fell. In the, in the long run, that's not much. Um, if you were 12 days um, in a Thai cave like these young boys, it would feel like a long time, wouldn't <laughs> yeah, it? Yeah, that's true. So it depends what the context is mm-hmm. as to whether it's... What about the Holy Spirit? Sorry, what about the second coming? Well, that's, that's been 2,000 years. Yeah, and to us that sounds like a long time, but when we think about it in the perspective of eternity, it's, it's just a blip. Yeah. Yeah. And I think this is an important lesson for all of us. Mm-hmm. Have patience. Mm-hmm. God will do things in his time. He will always bring things to pass. He will always make things happen that he has promised will happen, and he'll do it in his time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he knows no haste and no delay. Mm-hmm. It's a popular saying, and it's very, very true. God's timing is always perfect. Mm-hmm. And so if you go over to the book of Hebrews, the one book of the Bible written by New Zealanders. <laughs> oh, Hebrews. I knew you, I knew you were going to uh, say that. <laughs> it's just a day for it today. It is. Where are we going? Uh, chapter 10. Would you like to read for me verse 35 and 36, please? Uh, 35 to 37. So do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you receive all he has promised. For in just a little while, the coming one will come and not delay. Thank you. Mm. Okay, how do you think that this verse then applies to your friend who is thinking of leaving Christianity because God doesn't answer their prayers? Does this does this does this verse fit that situation? Yeah, it does. It does. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's a prime situation. I mean, I don't know the circumstances, of course, but of somebody who is thinking of throwing away their faith because they are not seeing the promises fulfilled, and Paul says, "Don't throw away your faith, but have." Patient endurance, mm. because God will perform 
everything that he has promised that he will do. It's a beautiful verse, actually. It is. Mm-hmm. It's a very good promise, particularly when you're in one of those situations where you've been praying and praying and praying and things just aren't happening that quickly. Um, anyway, we'll take a break. We're going to have some Alison Krauss in the palm of your hand. If I could have a world and all it owns, a thousand kingdoms, a thousand thrones, if all the earth were mine to hold, with wealth my only gold, I'd spend my gold on Alison Krauss within the palm of your hand. What a incredible voice she has. Okay, so where are we up to? We are talking about Acts chapter 1. We are talking about the first three verses of Acts chapter 1. And we are talking about particularly the necessity of having patience in mm. 
when, when we ask God for things. Yeah, in, in all our Christian walk, really, we mm. need to, everything needs to have patience. And to, you know, sometimes I think we need to also think about ourselves and our own attitude and ask ourselves the question, okay, if God isn't doing what I am asking, is the problem with me? It's not not necessarily the case that it is, but there's the possibility that uh, um, there is a problem that you need to sort out in your life mm. because this was the case with the disciples. They had things that they had to sort out between themselves before they could be filled with the Holy Spirit. Mm, self-examination is definitely important in the Christian walk and sometimes the Lord will lead you to it. Sure. Let me ask you a question, Mon. Have mm. you ever seen tongues of fire land on another person? Nope. Okay, so does that then mean that you have never seen the baptism of the Holy Spirit? <laughs> I really hope not. <laughs> I really hope that's not the reason, the answer to that. I, have you ever seen someone set on fire? I mean, in a Holy Spirity kind of way? Not with little flames, no. No. Yeah, I've no, seen no. people are like, yeah, he's really on fire right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. Is that where we get the, uh, is that where we get the phrase from? It's one of the places we get the yeah. phrase from, yes. There's a few different places uh, where we get this phrase from. Let's look at a few of them. Go to um, Exodus chapter 3 for me, Mon. Exodus chapter 3. Genesis, yeah. Exodus chapter 3. Do you remember what that chapter is all about? It's got something to do with Moses, doesn't it? It does. How did you Ooh, guess? Oh, the burning bush. Yeah, verse 2. One day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. What? Midian. Midian. He led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire in the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. Through the bush, though the bush was engulfed with flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see it. Yeah, that would definitely catch your attention, wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. And the Bible says that when he goes to see it, you know, God speaks to him out of the bush. Mm-hmm. And so God is manifesting himself here in a very real way to Moses and uh, or revealing himself. And so this is this is a very significant event. And then, now if you go to um, Deuteronomy, I'll read this one from Deuteronomy chapter 4 and verse 15. Moses once again is speaking. He says, Take you therefore good heed to yourselves, or good note of yourselves. For you so saw no manner of similitude on the day that the Lord spoke unto you in Horeb out of the midst of the fire. So we've got fire comes up in a few different places in the Bible. Mm. The burning bush is on fire. When God speaks the Ten Commandments, the top of the mountain is on fire, mm-hmm. which is what is being spoken of here. But not only is fire found in a number of places, and you know we often talk about the cloven tongues of fire, that's the King James Version, uh, that landed on the disciples, but that wasn't the only thing that happened when the Holy Spirit fell on them or was filling them or mm-hmm. baptizing them, we could say. What was the other supernatural event that was happening there in that upper room in Acts chapter 1 and verse 2? Didn't they speak in tongues? Before that. Before that? Yes, there was fire and something else. Um, a mighty windstorm. Oh, mm. Now, that's interesting. If you go over to the Gospel of John, John chapter 3, John chapter 3, and know. here you've got the story of Nicodemus. And as Jesus is talking to the Nicodemus, he talks about what it means to be baptized by the Holy Spirit and to become a new person, to be changed and converted. 
and he talks about the Holy Spirit and uses some interesting symbolism for it. 3 verse 8. Have you got that one for us, please, Mon? Yep. The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind but can't tell where it comes from or where it is going, so you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. There you go. And, of course, John himself said in Matthew chapter 3 and uh, verse 11, I indeed baptize you with water to repentance, but he that comes after me who is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to, to carry, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Mm. So it's interesting that we're baptized with water and baptized with fire. It's like opposite end of the spectrum. That's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but both of both fire and water can do the same thing. Mm-hmm. They clean. Ah, true story. You think about this. Yeah. Have you ever been to a place where a bushfire's gone through and mm-hmm. looked at how clean the bush looks? Yeah. All of the rubbish has been burned up. Mm-hmm. All the dead leaves that are on the ground. It just looks clean. Yep. Black, but clean. Yeah, everything's stripped back. Yep. Yeah, everything's stripped back. And so... You know, baptism of the Holy Spirit and baptism is all about being clean, becoming a a new person. Which is interesting because, you know, the Lord used a flood. He used water to clean the earth back in, you know, the antediluvian times. And he also promises he's going to clean the earth with fire at the end of times. That's right, because he promised Mm -hmm. he'd never flood it again. Mm -hmm. And every time you see a rainbow, it's a symbol of that promise. So he's done the water once and next is fire because those are two cleaning elements. That's right. Hmm. And they are the two things that are symbolized in the Bible as cleaning your life, fire and water. And so one of them obviously is an outward symbol, water. Mm -hmm. That's something that we visibly do. Mm -hmm. And the other is an inward symbol where the Holy Spirit fills you and is not usually visible. Yeah, no. Um, It's only ever mentioned once in the Bible that when people were baptized by the Holy Spirit, that fire, tongues of fire came down and was dancing around on top of their heads. Mm-hmm. And there was obviously along with that the sound of a roaring, mighty, rushing wind that filled the whole house. It must have been an incredible experience. Oh, yeah, that would catch your attention. It's like, mm-hmm. wow. Okay, so the, what did they then do as a result of being filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, they began speaking in tongues. Why, why do we use the word Tongues. Isn't it just an old-timey way of speaking? Languages? Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's right. Yeah. It's interesting because the King James Version translated as tongues because back in the day, if you you went, say, from France to England and you arrive in England and you speak French and not English, people would say, oh, he speaks with another tongue. Yeah. We wouldn't say that today, would we? No. I mean, occasionally people ask me what my mother tongue is. Okay, so we do yeah, very occasionally. use that mm-hmm. kind of language, but... It yeah. is on the way out. Mother tongue. Mother yeah. tongue, okay. Yeah. Which would be like, you know, your first language. Your first language. Yeah, yeah we usually say first language these mm-hmm. days more yeah. than mother tongue, but mother tongue is, uh, is still there. Now, in your translation, which is a modern translation, what does it say? Mine first says um, everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Okay, so that's a more accurate translation in modern English mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because we don't really use the word tongues anymore to refer to somebody who speaks a different language. Mm-hmm. Um, I found it interesting that many modern translations still use the word t- use, still use the KJV word for it being tongues. 
Yeah, isn't that because people have that false doctrine about speaking in tongues? Okay, and this yeah. is interesting because uh, before, back in the days when the King James ruled supreme um, and really was the only significant translation in the English language, um, the doctrine of tongues came up and so to be able to perpetuate that particular doctrine, mm-hmm. um, they've had to perpetuate the word that is associated with it rather than actually just you know simply translating what it what it what it means and mm-hmm. i think that um if it would have saved a lot of confusion if people had simply translated it as languages mm, amen yeah we're gonna learn lots more about this okay so tomorrow you do not want to miss tomorrow's uh bible study because we are going to talk about the gift of tongues we're going to find what is it where is it found is it still in the church is it still around is it ever going to go away Um, Lots of details about that coming up tomorrow. Get ready to give us a call and give us a challenge. You know what our numbers are. But this is Fernando Ortega. Call now if you have a question of the day and we can answer it live on air for you. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you, and my flesh yearns for you. In a dry and weary land, where there is no be more forgiving a program called forgive to live it's designed to help us all improve our lives you'll discover the healing power of forgiveness a relationship breakdown long-term hurt unresolved conflict through forgive to live you can break this cycle and start living a more forgiving life so if you're keen to take that first step head to forgive to live.org.au Instructions flow
Welcome back, everybody. That was Arlene Leighton with Beyond. Um, we have our question of the day. Mon, what's our question of the day today? Our question today <coughs> is one regarding martyrdom, actually. And uh, we might have to just explain uh, perhaps what martyrdom is, first of all. Um, but the question is, uh, what does the Bible say about Christian martyrdom? And should Christians desire to become martyrs? Okay, the word martyr is a Greek word. It simply means witness. Okay, so we should all want to be witnesses. Yeah, but not necessarily the way that the word martyr is used these days. So the, the word comes from the Greek word witness. And the reason that, that is the case is because you know this came out of the early Christian era when many Christians were being put to death and they were being put to death for their witness because they were witnessing. Oh. So that's how it actually came into the English language, I think, which I think is a fascinating uh, piece of history there that the word martyr um, came from a Greek word as a result of Christianity being persecuted. So a martyr is someone who is put to death for witnessing their beliefs. It has a broader term than that today because, of course, we have a lot of um, Islamic suicide bombers today who are in some circles considered to be martyrs. They are not witnessing for their belief. They are mass murdering. Mass murdering for their belief. Mm-hmm. Um, some would say that they are fighting for their belief. I think that it's very, very difficult to say that somebody who acts um, in such a cowardly way, mm-hmm. uh, attacking you know unarmed people who's not prepared to go and you know face up and 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 get involved in a firefight and 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 face you know soldiers of the opposite side. I think that's incredibly cowardly. Uh, See, I never would have thought of them as martyrs because, to my understanding, a martyr is someone who other people kill for their beliefs. They're not someone who's decided they're going to kill themselves for their beliefs. That's like a self-generated death there. That's right. But they are considered to be martyrs and thus they are considered to – well, they are told that they're going to get their 72 virgins. Mm. I think they're going to be a little disappointed. Oh, sorely disappointed. But, um, you know, this is this is radical Islam, and this is um, you know, obviously not mainstream Islam, but uh, you, have, you get radical Christianity as well, which is just as scary. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And well, you get radical anything. Hinduism, Buddhism, mm-hmm. anything is, mm-hmm. is just as, it's just as scary. Martyrdom. Okay, so should Christians seek martyrdom? There are many places in the Bible where God po- po- promises, you know, special things, honor for Martyrs. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Bible says in Revelation chapter twenty that you know they lived and reigned with Christ. Those that have given their lives for God lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. Mm-hmm. And so you know that's a great promise right there. And I think God clearly um, you know is is talking about how the you know if somebody has to pay the ultimate sacrifice that that is not going to go unremembered mm. in exactly the same way as we do here in our country. You know, in when we have Anzac Day. Yes, yeah, You know, we remember all those who have given their lives in defense of our country. And this is what God is doing. But at the same time, do we encourage people to die? Mm. You know, when we send them out to battle, no, we encourage them to live. And in Matthew chapter 10 and verse 23, Jesus says the same thing. But when they persecute you in this city, flee to another. 
For verily I say unto you, shall have not gone over the cities of Israel till the Son of Man comes. And so Jesus was not saying, look, just be stubborn, stay there and become a martyr and die. No, no, no. Jesus is saying, if they're persecuted, you need to survive, you need to live. God never encouraged people to become martyrs. God just simply said, you know, if this happens, if the worst case scenario happens, we will never forget. Mm. And uh, and so that's the the attitude that we should have towards martyrdom. We should uh, not be afraid to give our life, but uh, we should not seek it. Oh Lord, I come, I come before your throne, just as I'm known. I long to know you more and more. I hear your knock, oh Lord. I'll open the store just to be by you. And if I want love, I'll come to the cross And if I want life, I'll count this life lost Anchor my soul, don't let me drift away And if I want peace, I'll come to the King And if I want release, then you'll have to be Anchor of my soul, don't let me drift away Jesus, I will stay with you. Yes, I will stay with you. Now that I've begun, I feel the rays of the sun. Yeah.
Welcome back, everybody. That was Josh White with Anchor of My Soul here on Faith FM. We have come to the end of the show, and of course, at the end of every show, we give something away for free. No questions asked. And this one, of course, is the book Life Without Limits. We've given a number of these away. There's a beautiful hardcover edition right here uh, by Clifford Goldstein, one of the most uh, interesting, intelligent, um, eccentric. I don't know how you describe Clifford, but he is um, creative, fascinating individual right here and one of the best authors that we have within Christianity today. And so we are giving away his book, Life Without Limits. Mon, why don't you share us a little bit about what this book is going to be all about? Yes, okay. So Life Without Limits, Powerful Truths for Your Journey to Hope and Meaning. How would you live differently if you knew that there was more to life than what you were seeing? Something wonderful was awaiting you on the road of life, that you were not the you were not on this journey by chance, but for a special purpose. If you knew these things were true, would you live safe and defeated? Or would you set out to live a larger life, a life without limits? In this enlightening book, Clifford Goldstein takes on some of life's biggest questions and offers some answers that will change how you view and live your life with a fascinating mixture of faith and logic he seeks out the truth on such matters as the meaning of life where we came from the laws that protect us from pain and why we can believe in a promising future life without limits will start you on a journey more meaningful and exciting than you have ever imagined that's what it says on the back of the book Yes, exactly as Lyle says, it's a wonderful hardcover book. It's uh, it's filled with uh, beautiful pictures as well as writing. The writing is like a nice large print and uh, wonderful uh, edition. And it's brand new and we are giving it away today only. So give us a call. The number to call and to be the first person through is 1-800-FAITH-FM. It's 1-800-324-843. Uh, if you're the first person through, we'll send you a free copy of this book. Sounds truly amazing. I want to get one of those books for myself, I think. Yeah, if you want to take a look at it, I'm about to post up pictures of it on our social media, so you can check it out on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can have a look at what that looks like. And uh, yeah, Wasn't there something about well. a clue going up there for the tomorrow's clues? Yes, yes. I'm going to put a clue up ahead of time for tomorrow, so that'll be on Instagram only, though. Okay. Yeah, right. so check out Instagram, our Insta story. We already have tomorrow's first clue going up. And of course, you know what our number is, 1-800-324-843 or text us on 0491-064-669 or contact us on our social media. Be the first one through and that book is yours. And of course, don't forget, if you are listening to this radio show and it is not Monday the 9th of July, you are listening to the delayed broadcast and so you will need to listen to the live show so that you can access our quiz and uh, and so forth. Mm. And to access the live show, uh, you simply use faithfm.com.au press play or you can use the tune in app which is the way we all do it right here because that way you'll have a perfect signal anywhere in the world you'll never have to worry about driving out of signal signal you just run your uh run your mobile device through your bluetooth or aux cord in your car and uh and away you go and you've got it there wherever you go or you're going jogging or whatever just put it through your headset it is definitely the best and most effective way to listen to Faith FM, so we encourage everybody to jump over to the new system. And we also, I've been putting up on um, our social media the, the next day's question of the day because we, we get out questions and I've decided to put them up ahead of time so you can have a sticky beak and see what will be answered tomorrow and maybe weigh in on it and even ask a question. Tomorrow's question, by the way. Mm. Someone someone asked a question regarding my tattoo rant last Ooh. week. So they have a question about tattoos. Cool. So yeah, have a look on our socials and check it all out. 
And, uh, and if you have a question of the day, if you have any questions about the Bible, we love to feel those kind of questions. Give us a call, 1-800-FAITH-FM, or just respond to any of our social media platforms. Have a lovely day. We'll be back tomorrow after the 7 o'clock news.